such righteousness Learn to be true to this His knowledge of yourself and the science of everything in life And about one century from now These devils are wrong, why paint me white? Jesus Christ is known to some Symbolic to the gods Was an original man Today has blind hair and blue eyes The white lies are overlooked By those they rose to fell to see Sticking up pins in the head to the youth They're making the duty much harder for me Destination, civilization I follow the state of sin For righteous teacher on the case But suckers won't be sucking much Rich slave makers of the proof For such I stand against your life Christ of poverty gotta be that Which got me like free me or die Some say oh hell here they come Black men from Jerusalem With that science of law and order Entitled each one teach one all right, listeners, welcome to another COVID edition of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. <laughs> Heard every week here on WIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. Oh, yeah. Hi, Bran. Yeah. How you been this week? Um, I'm doing, I'm doing. I've had a couple know naps day naps this week i've been really tired but uh i'm making it adulting is working this week so i'm making it we've been very busy on twitter this week we've been very busy since um like february 2019 it's true like i don't think i've stopped since then actually so yeah continuation of basically since then yeah. And we've just been um, documenting the changes that are occurring here in Richmond. And one of the change makers is here with us today. Or um, the lack thereof changes. Well, yes. No, we, we're trying to, to overcome the lack of changes that the city, that we're trying to get off the hamster wheel that this city has been in for so long, so long. Yes. But hopefully this show is a little bit of a mood lifter. Yes, because we have a change. We have a change agent with us today. I'm really excited, sir. Will you introduce yourself and kind of tell us what you do? Yeah, hey guys, uh, man, I I love being referred to as a change agent. That's that's crazy. Uh, so my my name is uh, <laughs> Hamilton Glass. Most people know me here for my public art, but I'm an artist here in Richmond. Been here since 2007. Yeah, you're okay. a Richmonder. You've well passed oh, the yeah, yeah. the come here. Well, my, from my here mother's BS. from Richmond, so Excellent. I've never been a yep. stranger to Richmond at all. Uh, so yeah. Well, we're happy to have you here, and the reason we're talking to you today is because you have a major new project going on in the city, kind of as an answer to the protests that have been going on, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a response to it, um, and it, it's called mending walls and. To be honest, like I'm, I'm a, I'm a super shy guy, really shy guy, and I, I, I usually. No way. Yeah, I, I talk. I usually, I talk through my art. So I, um, I don't know. I've, there, I've, I'm always going through these debates in my mind and, and with my wife, and I'm like, I want to say something. Should I say something? Can I say something? What you know, and and all of that stuff. And so when when this happened, I went through so many range of emotions when. Um, George Floyd was killed. The first one was, this isn't different at all. Like, this is not different. I don't understand why people are acting like it's different. And someone was killed two weeks ago. Why is this different? Uh, And Uh I was more so upset that everyone was acting like this was different. And then uh, I just continued to kind of, like, reach out and had conversations with friends and with white friends and talking about why it was different from them. And I had a really good conversation with one um, who I'm not going to name, but 
and he was saying how he felt guilty because when he saw this happen, he immediately felt guilty for not not believing the others, if that makes any sense. Like he had now he had you know, eight minutes and forty seconds of showing that there there was no there was no res- resisting arrest beforehand. There was no you know, all the things that the they try to spin to say, well he I guess they try to spin it to say he deserve it. It, it doesn't matter if, you know, if he's a criminal or anything like that, yeah. but yeah. Um, that, you know, that's the narrative they always try to spin, but there wasn't that. And that, that gave me a little bit of hope. And as, as someone who is um, fairly reserved and doesn't say much and kind of had no hope that things would change. I, I just, when I come across things like this, I, I just kind of turn the other way. And I know that might, make me sound like a coward but it's more so i have things i want to do i have energy that i'm i purposely push toward things and i I teach my kids um the right way and 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 i also teach them that hey why are you wasting your energy on this ignorant person if that makes any sense why why that's the way i feel why do i need to waste my my precious energy on educating you uh and so i just i just went through that but then it kind of changed. I was like, you know what? There are actual, after that conversation, there are actually people who are seeing things differently from the first time. Whether that reason is right or wrong, they're seeing things differently. Well, now we're in this age where everything's recorded. Yeah. Everybody has a cell phone that's got a camera on it that can record immediately what's going on. And so I think from the white people perspective, a lot of people unfortunately need to see need to visualize that violence to believe that it's happened, you know, because they can be like, oh, well, anybody can just say anything. Right. You know, and that's a shame that we don't just automatically believe folks when they say, yeah, I've well, been brutalized. Well, also, you know, it's hard for me as a, as a black man who has seen my friends pressed up against cop cars and seen knees on necks of my friends and things like that to tell you how to see it because you as an individual might not have never seen that. And so seeing that for the first time on news, you equate that to, oh, something really bad must have happened beforehand. Um, as yeah. where I think um, most black people, we can, we, can, we can empathize with that because we've actually seen it in person. It's nothing new. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We've all, especially like black men, we've had that talk with our dads or our, you know what I'm saying? Our parents or something. We've had that talk. It, it, it's, nothing new and so absolutely to us we see that you know we see the years of this happening and going like there it is again and and to you know to people who don't have that perspective they look and they go like oh something went horribly wrong there and we're like oh that's every day you know what i mean it's 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 a different perspective but so so having that conversation I, i really was like this is whether i like it or not some people are opening their eyes right now and it's time to talk to those people like that this and i started like posting old work i started post you know what i mean stuff that like uh-huh. was far and trying to use my voice that way and 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 seeing how people were responding to it like it was new you know what i mean because they they actually had a different lens on it and stuff and so that just made me go into i I, I, one thing I noticed about myself, I immediately try to heal with art. And I don't do it on purpose. It's just kind of like 
how I'm made. Um, and so after realizing that, I just went into like, oh, we got to talk. We got to like go to this healing thing. We got to talk. And so I, I thought about doing a project that, that centered around collaboration and putting two artists from different backgrounds, creeds, colors, and getting them to have that tough conversation and then having that con conversation spill out on walls. And that, to me, would help facilitate some of these conversations in Richmond and help really get people to, uh, to empathize and connect. Um, and so that's what Mending Walls is about. It's, uh, it's totally about... Um, it's, it's about letting this conversation continue past this hot moment that we're in right now because i know on both sides there there are some really there's some really crazy things that we need to talk about and we need to have empathy on both sides and i know i'm going to get killed for that but it we, once we get past this moment what happens if we don't connect and we don't actually try to understand one another then we're going to be we're going to repeat ourselves we're going to be the right we're going to be in the same situation right there's that hamster wheel yeah yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, the hamster wheel. It's, it, you know, a lot of what he's saying, we go through this process so much day to day and we don't realize just how much we either process it or we really don't process it because we see it so much. We feel it so much. It's a part of our daily life as black people that I hate to say it. It's It's not that you become desensitized to it. But it's almost as if, I mean, you just see it so much. It's a part of your existence and you have, you absolutely have that conversation. As a mother, I've had that conversation with my black son that, and, and it's a painful conversation to have. It's a demeaning, demeaning conversation to have, to, to have to explain to your child, you know, that you say all the time, you know, I want you to be the best you can be. I want you to, you know, dream big. I want you to achieve as much as you can and, you know, do all of these great things and nothing can stop you and there's no ceiling, but you shouldn't walk at night with Skittles and you shouldn't sit, you know, in your car uh, by yourself in a place that's not well lit. There are certain things you can't do that are suspicious. Don't put your hands in your pocket in a store. Um, don't wear a hoodie in public. Don't wear your pants a certain way. Uh, don't say certain things around certain people. At night, you need to come home at a certain time or so-and-so's parents work at a certain place. You know, don't say certain things around if it's a joke. You know, there's certain things that we can't play with that other people can play with. No, you can't have a Nerf gun. No, you can't have a water gun. Those are unacceptable toys for you to play with because if you accidentally play with it and I'm not here, or the wrong person sees you with it, it could be deemed as dangerous. And you'd end up with um, another Tamir Rice you on your lose hands. your life. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> it's, it's very um, contradictory as a black parent to make that type of decision. That conversation is going to sound like to you or, or what that conversation is going to be between you and your child because you have to decide whether it's important for you to educate your child and prepare your child for what they could face so that they don't become the next hashtag um, and you're not the next mother, God forbid, on television burying her child or do you 
do what you know you're supposed to do as a parent, like every other parent gets to do, and sell your child the dream of be all you can be, do all you can do, dream all you can dream, pursue all you can pursue, and it can happen for you, right? And that should be what I should be able to tell my child, and that is what my child and my child should be able to get that, but it's conditionary. <laughs> you know, uh, if he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, and and that's that's the hard part. That's the um, that's the PTSD that you walk around with as a as a black parent, and then as a black person, it's, it's rough. And so, just processing that. And I've also been thinking about a lot of the people. You know, we're all a bit older, but a lot of the people that are now leading a lot of these protests that we've especially been seeing here in Richmond even are younger, a lot younger than we are. They're in high school, leaving high school, approaching college right now. Those kids would have been very young when Tamir Rice was murdered. And it's almost been consistent, consistent televised murder for their generation. Yeah, school um, shootings, police murder. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a constant bombardment, yeah. Yeah, and that conditions you differently to respond, to think, to understand things. And I think that's very important to reflect on. A lot of the anger and the emotional responses that we're seeing out of this next generation that's behind us is so invigorating. And they're so energized, but what else could they have been? They've been watching their classmates be murdered in their classrooms, in their neighborhoods, uh, in the in the park, uh, in their homes, uh, you know, in the streets. And they turn on the TV, and there's another black body in the street, you know, consistently. I I, I remember a couple summers ago. I mean, it was every week there was another body in the street. And these constant visuals, you know, how do you, you know, Hamilton, take something, another visual and kind of flip the script on it and teach a, a different yeah. future? Yeah, I mean, one, one and I, I want to touch on one thing she said earlier, too, which I had a, I had an epiphany about was like those conversations that we're having with our kids are in some cases, in most cases, if you if you're having a really good life, your first introduction to trauma, like it's like you can do anything you want to do, uh-huh. but there are, there are people who will kill you. That's uh-huh. that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. Um, that's insanity. It is. Uh-huh. It really is. Um, but I mean, with, so with many walls, I really the 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 crazy thing about it is, I'm not here to tell those two artists what their conversation is, right? I'm, I'm here to facilitate those two artists coming together and having it and seeing what comes out of it. Because there's so many, and again, it's, it's a reflection of like where Richmond is right now. You know, if you go out in the streets of Richmond and say, hey, what are you fighting for? I mean, in the same rally, there will be 20, 50, 60 different answers. And so this is a reflection of that this is kind of like where don't you guys match and why don't you guys match and where is the beauty in between that if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. and and putting together this project 
I was, I was, um, of course, this project looks like me, right? Of course. So the, the, the first category of artists, I have around 30 artists and I, I live, I'm probably one of the, I hate saying stuff like this about myself, but I'm probably one of the most well-known black artists here in Richmond, just because I'm a public artist. But there, there is a group of black artists on one side of my life. And then there's a group of public artists and more well-known artists on the other side of my life. And they're equally as talented, but they all have different exposures and they, they don't talk. Right. And I'm like putting these people in the website. Oh, this is going to be great. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is, this is literally what I'm talking about right here. Like we don't, we're not talking, we're not talking. And I'm getting excited about it because I'm like, Oh, this is going to change, and this is my personal, my personal feelings. But this is going to change the artscape of Richmond because these guys are going to have to talk, like literally going to have to talk to do it. And I know, you know, no, you know, I know about the artscape in Richmond, but not everyone does. But it it happens in little microcosms of you know what I'm saying uh-huh. of the society we're going through, and so I'm getting excited because you know you have you know, this big name artist over here, but you have this other artist over here who isn't that big name, but is like equally as talented and just really just sits in his his studio and no, most people don't know him and all of that stuff. And, and I'm like purposely pairing those two together. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic concept. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you are gonna get some really amazing conversations that transfer exactly. onto the walls. And then when us, Richmonders, we walk by that, right. we're going to learn, we're going to educate, and we're going to be a part of that conversation. I'm really Absolutely. excited to be a part of those conversations because art really does speak in ways that maybe the written word doesn't. Well, and, and that's kind of the very definition of art. Art is covers what words don't, right. if that makes any sense. And it also, it it also yep. like pulls out what sometimes is unintended. And then we can talk about that. We can mm-hmm. pull out what was unintended and why it was it was seen. The other thing that most that most people don't know about because I haven't announced is like we're going to have civic talks around this. Oh yay! Yeah, what? yeah. These are things that we enjoy. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have civic talks around this. Um, I can't give too many details because I literally before this interview was on a call about programming that, but. Um, I can say I'm I'm talking like Ron Bagot right now about facilitating that with some other facilitators. Um, and just this, I don't want this to stop at the art. Like we're going to have conversations, but I also want to like instigate those conversations yeah. if that makes any sense. And I want to, I want to make yeah. this something that, that even lives on. I mean, many walls doesn't have to be just in this time. This can be something that, that progresses and I think I'm I'm just a really firm believer in collaboration so like you know Matt Lively you, you guys have probably seen me collaborate with him a lot and even before Mending Walls the optics of that I enjoyed and I've, I've had that conversation with him I enjoy that you look like that and I look like this and we come together and people go we're, we're like what is this about? If that makes what sense. is this odd couple? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I enjoy that, and so um, 
Yeah, I, I, it's, there's just so much to be had out of that, and I'm so excited to get started, and I'm so excited that we're we were able to get funded. We, so get funding for 16 walls. So we have 16 walls. I really thought when I pitched this, I thought we were going to have eight, but I have double, and that was because it was so hard to pair um, just eight. So mm-hmm. I had you know one group, and then I was like, well, I don't have this. I could pair this with this person, but that doesn't make that much sense for many walls. And uh, I've just been working really hard. I've never, I've never took on something this big, and I'm still in the thick of it. But uh, I'm just excited, and I'm hoping. And many walls is getting so much, so much interest right now, and I'm, I'm so excited that everyone else is excited about it. And I'm, I'm also a little nervous that we can do it justice. And I'm holding these artists accountable too so i want everyone to know that like i'm this is this is they're probably sick of me saying that every time we get on zoom but i'm like (laughs) hey i don't want it like this isn't about what looks good if that makes any sense this is a this is literally about your conversation you're gonna be in front of a crowd later on front of a forum later on talking about why you made that move i don't want to hear the excuse of of the building owner made me do it that's something i'm i'm taking up with them you know what i mean i don't want to hear the excuse of like this look good this is if you don't want to be a part of this mission that mission is the bible if you don't want to be a part of this mission then don't be a part of the project and so that's that's kind of where i am on it yeah well, we have just a few minutes left. Fran, do you have anything you want to add before we close? I, I just can't wait to see them all. I know. I'm, I just love, I'm, I, I, I'm an artist in my own right, but on the photography side, I can't draw or paint a lick. <laughs> and so I enjoy other mediums <laughs> through, other, through other artists. I love it. And um, you are more than talented. And I just can't wait to see them all. I just I just can't wait to see them all. And I, I think, you know, art is one of the things that it does more than just communicate what's not said in words. It's it's so it's it's something that's just such a deeper communal level with your soul. And it just it means something different to to everybody. Everybody can look at the same portrait, the same picture, the same sculpture and find a different meaning to it and that's what makes art so special because everybody has their own can derive their own interpretation um, of it and um, that is what we need right now especially in the tone of us tearing down pieces of of artwork if that's what we want to call them in the air quotes um yeah, air quotes <laughs> that 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 have been designed and and erected to invoke fear in our community and replace them with other pieces that should invoke power and love and messages surrounding things that um, I hope will be moving for generations to come. And so that in and of itself is moving for me. Um, as a as an artist, I, I, that makes me. Are you a little verklempt over there? I got the goose flesh. <laughs> I am. I am. I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm really excited about the process. Watching them go up. 
learning about um, the artists that are put together and um, why they came up with the piece that they did. But also, I want to say, while we're here and kind of on the subject of these um, monuments, Lee has never looked better. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's so beautiful right now. This That is the most majestic thing. It I've is, right? In a while. You come around the uh, on Allen, you like come around the corner and you're hit with this color, like yeah. just this beautiful... Voices. Voices and color and um, and people's struggles and pain and their loves and everything all over it. And mm-hmm. it has never looked more beautiful. So thanks to everybody who put the effort into that as well. I agree. It just, I think it looks amazing. Yeah. And before we wrap with you, let folks know how they can find you on social media and find Mending Walls and uh, what they can do to help you out here. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, uh, you can find us on the website, mendingwallsrva.com. Um, on the website, we have the artists that will be participating in the first 16 walls. I'm going to say, I'm going to claim the first. The first, exactly, because this does not need to end. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. And um, so also we have two fundraisers going, um, the GoFundMe and a like an apparel campaign. Uh, and that apparel campaign talks to the We Need to Talk campaign that we did on Juneteenth. Um, Noah Scalin designed the the graphic for that. What's up, WRAR volunteer? <laughs> and uh, so the all of the money for both of that just goes to materials for the artists. Um, the artists will be receiving like a, a stipend to do the wall, but... Um, I guess what I'm really in the thick of right now is getting money for the materials and things like that. So um, please help us out. That w- We would be really grateful in that. Um, and yeah, we oh, we also have Instagram, Mending Walls uh, RVA, and follow us on that. Things will be moving pretty fast on that. We're, we're starting, I'm gonna announce it on here. We're starting our first uh, Mending Wall our true first mini wall at um, the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. They are doing a mending walls exhibit. They're going to be erecting two of the fresh paint exhibits, uh, my piece um, and Noah Scanlon's piece, which both of them tie into uh, uh, the, the Civil War and the Confederacy, so that it talks about that. And then... Uh, Austin Miles and um, Nico Cathcart did a did a piece that wasn't really a mending wall, but I claimed it as a mil, uh, mending wall. It happened <laughs> right before, right before we announced the drop, and I was like, "This is a mending wall." You guys really actually did the first mending wall, <laughs> and uh, so it's on the site right now. But that will also be displayed in the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. So, so we are kicking off on the first of July, strong, and then. Um, if everything goes scheduled, there'll be one mural a week. That's amazing. At least. At oh my least. gosh, I cannot wait. One, one, one a week, right? Like, that's so ambitious. Dominoes, I'm, yeah. I know, absolutely. I'm so excited to see that. Like, the, the artists can't believe me either. They're like, <laughs> what? Are you serious? How are you doing this so That fast? is like bananas. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's going to be good bananas. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Man. 
Well, thank you so much, Ham. It's been so good to have you. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks, first timer. It won't be your last, though. Yes. Especially when it comes to when you guys start to do, like, the forums, the civic talks and stuff. We got to be involved in that somehow because that is so exciting. I would, I would love for you to, honestly. And I'm that's the part. I mean, I'm excited about the art. I really am. But I'm really excited about talking about it. And I don't, I don't need it to be all, like, fuzzy bunnies and flowers. I oh, really we got to have those hard, hard conversations. Exactly. I want, I want to talk yeah. about that. I started Richmond in controversy, by the way. Like that, I put up this, this during the recession, I put up this like big uh, politician with, with a gun to his head. Probably nobody remembers that, but like, let's talk about uh-huh. it. Let's I'm, talk about I'm, it. I'm, right? I'm, let's talk about it. Uh-huh. Well, excellent. Congratulations on this endeavor. We're really excited uh, to see it blossom and come to fruition. Um, and anytime you want to come back, just let us know. All right. Thank yes. you. I appreciate thank you. It. You are listening to RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania on WRIR LP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. If you'd like to continue this conversation or start another, hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is your first time on our show. Yes, yes my first time i've been everywhere and nowhere and i'm finally back in richmond so i figured i'd you know give you guys a shout out absolutely yeah. introduce yourself uh yeah um, my name is rodney robinson um i have 2019 national teacher of the year <laughs> i got a uh, 20 years of classroom experience in richmond public schools i've taught uh lucille brown middle school george Worth high school I spent 12 years at Armstrong High School, and for the last five, I've been at the Richmond Juvenile Detention Center. So, yeah. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I think that's a very important piece to point out. National Teacher of the Year is such an esteemed position to hold, and people always overlook that, and I tell people all the time, he's at the detention school. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's weird because not many people understand that. When you say detention school, they're like, what's that? I was like, it's jail. You know, let's take off the political correctness of detention center. It's a juvenile jail. And so I have to go into that and people have a million questions about that. So Mm -hmm. So that's incarcerated children got to learn too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, what are we talking about today, Ronnie? I'm just here to talk, you know, just to shoot the breeze, talk about, you know, things that are going on my year, you know, so... (laughs) You know, it's, yes. been a, it's been a year. It's been quite, a, quite a year it has been. Yes. yes. And we're in such a time right now in Richmond. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's been a lot. And um, we're in the crux of so much going on, not only in our city, but um, just this past um, school year has been a lot for Richmond Public Schools. Yes. We had a very ambitious... Um, process that RPS was in the process of undertaking, um, trying to rezone and redistrict. And that was um, wholly unsuccessful. (laughs) Yes, yes. 
Go ahead. It's kind of weird because everybody comes like, hey, you need to speak out on this. You need to speak out on this. And I'm like, I'm in Richmond maybe two days a week throughout this entire process. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel comfortable speaking because I truly had no idea of how the process was going on. And so right. people kept reaching out, hey, say something, say something. I'm like, I can't say anything because I don't know. The last thing I want to do is say something then end up looking like an idiot because I don't I don't know what's exact, what exactly is going on on the ground. And yeah. so, you know, that's why I like I kind of stayed away from that issue because I wasn't here, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I maybe well, had two days a week at home. Well, let me tell you, you didn't miss a whole lot because huh. it was a flashback to uh Brown versus Board of Education. Well, I mean, I I actually was traveling to another city that was going through the same thing and quite honestly, from what I hear, the Richmond process was a lot smoother than other places. Because <laughs> it, it, redistricting, you know, it can get really, really contentious. It's funny because I was at a national superintendent's convention, and one of the first jokes they had, they said was, what's the one thing you don't do as a superintendent? Redistricting. redistricting. <laughs> you know, that was just something they just kept saying because it's a no-win situation with the public and with your teeth, it's just a no-win situation. And so it's like only the brave, the ones that have that courage or the ones that have that, you know, resume in the neighborhoods can tackle that with success because it's always going to be a contentious thing. Man, I mean, I have just never, we sat through so many of those meetings and um, live tweeted so many of those. And I mean, I remember sitting through one in particular and um, Tykeen Cooper stood up, the executive yeah. director of... Um, oh, this is the one where we were at Green Elementary, right? Yes. Yeah. And he said, I mean, it was like speaker after speaker after speaker. And several of them were red shirt wearing teachers, yeah. right? And he said, these aren't even dog whistles at this point. Yeah. And I said, no, they're not. These are not even whistles. And he was yeah. like, these are dog howls. Yeah. He yeah. was like, this is terrible. And I was like, yeah, and these are the teachers that are in the classroom. Yes, yes. That's one thing, you know. <laughs> I've had my differences with some with some of the folks, you know, who wear the, those red t-shirts throughout the year because ultimately this job is children first. And I don't think that some people get that. It's all no. about themselves and what they can do. And it's like, it's not about that. It's about what the kids need. And if exactly. you're putting your needs in front of the kids, then maybe you need to rethink this profession. My mom, oh, who, beca- who becomes a teacher to be rich? Like, said no teacher ever. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's a calling. Now, I will yeah. admit, you know, you do want to make a living, however, but I feel, honestly, in my few years in Richmond, over the past five or six years, I've seen the pay increase, you know? And so for you to keep, for people to keep saying, that's the number one issue, I don't think that's the number one issue, but it is up there. You know, I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, no teacher should have to take a second job to make ends meet, you know, but at the same time, you have to understand that education is funding priority. And sometimes, you know, you get what you get because there are other things that take priority over your salary. Because like you said, no one got into this business to become rich. No, my mom is a 40-year veteran in, in the classroom and she's been broke. Yeah, 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 you know, like, the job. 
She yeah, does exactly. It. Like I said, I love my job, but you know, I didn't get into this thing to become rich, but I did get into it to make a difference. And that's what I feel like I'm doing is I'm making a difference. And mm -hmm. because of that, sometimes you have to, you know, take things that you don't particularly agree with. But in the end, it's all about kids. If you, it, whatever it, you're doing is not about the kids, then like I said, you don't need to be in this profession. That's true. Yes. Now, you have a, a very unique perspective and you talked about some of the different schools that you've taught at, which were a wide range across Richmond. Um, and now you find yourself at, which for people that don't understand, it literally is a youth jail. Yeah. Right. And because of that, those students, they, I mean, they still need to learn, but they have a totally different environment to function within yeah. and then to learn within yes. um, and come with a total different subset of trauma and a uh, total different just set of obstacles that they have to um, meet mm -hmm. and exceed in order to be able to um, not only just learn, but just be able to thrive. Yes. Now, I feel like a greater part of our population is finding ourselves and our kids in not necessarily similar situations, but also well behind the learning curve yeah. because of COVID. Yes. yes. Um, people are experiencing a, a greater deal of poverty. We were already experiencing in Richmond a higher level of, of families that were food insecure, um, housing insecure. Now we've had COVID affect so many uh, jobs and um, employment. Uh, the actual housing rent moratorium is getting ready to, eviction moratorium is getting ready to end this week. Yes. Um, and our mayor has extended some assistance with that, but I'm sure there will be people getting evicted. Yes. There will be a lot of issues that will affect our ki our children. And I think one of the things that people forget to think about as well, um, during this, this extended uh, extra long summer, right? Mm -hmm. Our kids- The March the kids that never ends? Yeah, the <laughs> 300th day of March, right? Yes. As our kids are out of school, that also places a extended period for kids at home who yeah. may be getting abused. Yes. Um, who may not have outlets to, yes. get, to get away from um, their abusers, to get away or, yes. or to find, seek help and different things because so many things are closed. Yes. Um, that it's rough right now. It's rough yes. for a lot of those things that people are worried about, you know, how they're going to eat. And yeah. they're not really thinking about some of those things that are really out of sight, out of mind, um, yeah. that are a part of daily life for our kids. Yeah, and when I was chairperson of um, Superintendent Lane, state superintendent, myself, uh, Jeff Smith, and oh my gosh, I forgot the other guy. I'm sorry, he's, he's in Harrisonburg, but we, we were the chair, three co-chairs of our return to learning plan, which the governor released a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, my committee was equity. And that was one of the things we wanted to make sure was that every school system had tools in place to diagnose what their learners had gone through, what traumas they had been through, and how do you deal with that trauma? And so we really wanted to make sure that equity was at the forefront of that and helping schools confront some of these new issues because some school districts are going to have new types of learners they never had before. You know, yeah. for example, you may, you may live in the city your whole life, then you get evicted. Now you're living with a relative in a different part of Virginia and your population may be completely different than what the school is used to. 
And so yep. we need to make sure schools have tools in place to diagnose that. And then on the second part, you know, I've been very vocal about the governor when, when they re reconvened the legislature, the first thing they cut out of the budget was the money for school counselors. And I'm like, we need school counselors more than ever right now. Yes. They are on the front lines and helping us diagnose those kids and get them the services they need. So I've been very vocal that that money needs to be put back into the budget because they are, they are our go-to people. Because as teachers, you know, with our experience, we can recognize the symptoms of trauma, yeah. but sometimes we're not equipped to deal with this unless we've had specific training. And so it's really important to have those school counselors there who can, you know, look at the kid, diagnose and get them the proper services they need. They have those connections that teachers don't. And so it's really yeah. important that we get those school counselors back. And I'm going to keep banging that drum until Governor Northam, whoever's in the legislature, hears it. You know, we need these school counselors right now because our kids are traumatized. You know, COVID itself, living through a pandemic is a traumatizing event. And then you add in the events of the past month with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, you know, so yeah. much is going on. Just social change is occurring right in front of their eyes. And so yes. they're trying to adjust. Yeah, and then live, live through this. And so now we're telling them, okay, now go back to school and pick up the math lesson you learned. No, 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 no. After six months. Yeah, after six months. So now we, we need to focus on their social, emotional needs. And we need to make sure that our kids are in a healthy place emotionally before we can start teaching. So whenever school back opens back up, that first month, first two months, there shouldn't be major academic things taking place. There should be major social emotional growth, giving the t kids the tools they need to cope with all the change that has taken place over the past year. And that's why it's so important to have school counselors, to have teachers who have been professionally developed to notice the signs of trauma and to deal with that. And so... That is what's most important right now. I don't give a damn about an SOL. I'm worried about is this kid in a good place so that we can have a conversation and that they can be a functional person in life. Because, I mean, let's be honest, adults are struggling right now and they aren't functioning too well in these times. So imagine what kids are going through. So we need to make sure we have the tools in place to make all of our kids feel comfortable, feel, yep. feel that they can do things. And then we can start focusing on the academics because let's be honest, the achievement levels, all these are social constructs. Yep. You know, to say that a kid has to be at this point in life or this point there, where all that's been thrown, <laughs> you know, into chaos. And so we mm -hmm. need to adjust that and we need to meet the kids where they are. That's why I, one thing I've told parents is like, look, just make sure your kids are all right. Make sure their mental health is good. Then send, yep. us, send them back to us when it's time to open because as teachers, we're going to meet kids where they're at and we're just going to push them to do their best. But we can't do that if their mental state isn't in, in a good place. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. And I, something you said a few minutes ago, and I, I look for it, and I, I remember tweeting it this morning, Georgia is actually suspending their standardized testing for the upcoming year, um, as well as uh, formal teacher evaluations, and they're seeking to formally um, permanently cut certain tests, which will save tens of millions of dollars in the budget that they can put towards teacher pay and different things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who do we talk to to make that happen here? <laughs> Actually, it's not, it's no one here is in Washington, D.C., you know, because so much funding is tied to testing, so much everything yeah. is tied to that testing, and unless 
you know, Secretary DeVos comes in and issues waivers, school districts are tied to that. That was one reason it took schools so long to close. People don't realize that, was that those schools were scared to close because Department of Education had not issued any waivers for yep. testing and accountability. So that's why schools for a while were just kicking the can down the road saying two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And then once she finally said, we're going to issue waivers, you saw every state pretty much close down because they knew that they're so dependent on that funding that mm -hmm. if they don't get those waivers, then they're going to lose so much federal funding and that's going to put kids in even worse position. Yep. And so we, we really need up. some leadership. Yeah, we need leadership from the from, from Department of Education, hands down. That's why education is in a real bad state. It's because we have zero leadership in the U.S. Department of Education. So, you know, I can get, you can get mad at some of these states and all for what they're doing, but the reality is they're doing these things because we're in a system where their hands are tied by the U.S. Department of Education. And Absolutely. so, and I keep telling people all the time, to me, that's the most important issue in this upcoming November election. It's not a, you know, it's about getting somebody in there who actually cares about students, who are actually going to put people in place to take care of all students in America, because we're, we're dealing with the educational landmine. And if she's, <laughs> if she's still there, it's just going to destroy education and the future of all Americans for a long, long time. And so to me, that's the most important issue in this upcoming election. You can have your disagreements with different candidates or whatever, but for the future of our children, you need to get somebody in the Department of Education who actually cares about children and not about profit. Oh, yeah. that's the word of the day right there. <laughs> yeah, so I know that's something that, that I saw this morning, I retweeted it, and I was like, man, like that's yeah. important, we need that, and that's something that we've been talking about yeah. um, in standardized testing for quite a while, and I yes. think... It may have taken us to get to a pandemic to, to understand just how in the way. Yeah. I don't think they're just, going anywhere. I, I just think, you know, they're going to, it's sort of like racism. It's going to be reinvented in some way, shape, or form. Yep. It might be down for the next year or a couple years, but eventually it's going to be back and it's going to be in a different form. And, you know, so. Different manifestation. Exactly. So, but we really, I think testing should be just diagnostic tools to assess where kids yeah. are. You know, once we get yeah. into holding people back and because, I mean, for years I worked at Armstrong and, you know, I worked as, you know, hard as anybody in the state and our kids worked as hard as everybody. And then we had people coming in and telling us we're failing. It's like, wait a minute. You know, I've seen what these kids can do and what they've come from. And for mm -hmm. you to just give an arbitrary test and tell them that they're failures, and I see yeah. what my coworkers go through. That is, that's demoralizing more than anything. Absolutely. You know? And then the fiscal Absolutely. argument. That's the thing. You said it earlier. It's like, I don't think people understand how much money that districts spend on testing per year. You know, and no. I've been trying to make that argument with conservatives for, for years. It's like, if you want to save money, let's get rid of some of these tests because we're spending, I mean, I mean for example, if you look at history, you know, there are three history subjects in high school or four testing subjects. Yeah. Every kid except a senior takes a test. Mm -hmm. So that means, you know, 75% of all students are guaranteed taking a test that year. You know how much money that is? We're talking millions and millions of dollars out of school budgets that could go toward 
restorative justice and other programs to help make our kids better people. And so we really need to look at that testing thing and start, we can make our own tests, you know? Why can't the state do that? You know, if, you go, if you're that, that, if you're there, I made all kinds of arguments with conservatives about why testing is such a numerical budget disaster, you know? Never mind the fact that it's just a disaster for kids, it's a disaster for your budget as well. For you, but yeah, and my, my mom has argued for a while that if you're gonna test kids on things and we're gonna spend that, that amount of money, on on testing in general that mm -hmm. it should be something that's valuable yeah. to kids like why is there not a critical thinking test thank you we oh man you and i've been talking about critical thinking lack cost of too much money to grade. it costs too much money to grade. right yeah it's like that for that the, the testing companies now have to pay people to grade critical to, thinking and that's why that's why you know it's all always but she's uh, like She's like, we, we, the kid, you're not going to know what orthoclase felspar is in 10 yeah. years. Exactly. Right. But you know how to critically analyze an issue that you're having in your life. Yes. You know, and that's probably people, something you need. When people talk to me about why were we successful down at, you know, Virgie Benford, which is the official name of my school, Virgie Benford Education Center, I tell them all the time, it's because no one cared about corrections education. You know, and that's a sad thing, but the reality was that means us, the teachers who are veterans, say, hey, I have nobody looking over my shoulder so I can do what that's I think is necessary for these kids. And then guess what? They started passing tests. They started passing their GED because we were allowed the autonomy to do what was necessary for our kids. And that's because we're veteran staff, you know, we're veteran teachers who know this is what it takes for our kids to be successful. And so now I tell people all the time, we were free from the oversight that average teachers go through. And so that yeah. allowed us to do what works. Yes. And for those listeners, that doesn't mean that um, they're down there cheating. That means that they were right. not bound. How can you, or how can you cheat? To... Everything is recorded. Literally oh, everything in that facility is recorded. So but, you, but people, people will... People will people will hear that and think the wrong thing. I already I can already hear the wheel spinning. Of course they will. But what that means is, you know, teachers and I, the average person doesn't understand that if they're not either close to a teacher or no one. Teachers are bound by so many things. You know, my mom probably spends more time writing out her her yes. lesson plans and making sure that they align with the SOL plan yes. than she does executing the actual plan and teaching yeah. it in the class and making sure that the kids understand what the hell they're supposed to be learning yeah. um because they have to be on scale or on track with yeah. a certain sol plan for the the county or the city and it's like yeah. mm. oh my God. and and it's not just as colleges aren't preparing teachers how to teach you know one thing i've noticed as i've traveled this country is some of the teacher prep programs in, in america are just terrible they, they, they pretty much teach teachers how to write lesson plans. They don't teach them how to teach and be creative and do the things that are engaging for students. And so you have a lot of new teachers. Like one thing with someone, like I'm not to get too caught up, like people talk about box curriculum. All curriculum is box curriculum. Mm -hmm. It really is. The reality is some te younger teachers have never been taught how to adjust. And so when they see box curriculum, they get upset because they think, they're forced to teach out of a out of a script. 
that's not the case. You take what what you get and you make it work for your students. Mm -hmm. And colleges aren't teaching teachers how to do that. So that's why you get so many people pushing back and calling things box curriculums. All curriculum is box curriculum. When the yeah. state gives us curriculum framework, that is box curriculum. You as a yeah, teacher, you just gotta make it you just gotta make it work. Plain yeah. and simple. You know, and that's something veteran teachers have and that younger teachers don't because they have horrible college prep classes. Right. So what with that in mind, what do you see for the future of RPS? What what is going back to school look like? How how can parents help their kids? I mean, what what is that even? Honestly, I would love to give you an answer, but the reality is we're we're prisoners to the science right now. Yeah. You know? And no parent, I, as a teacher, I don't want any kid coming to a building that's not safe. And as a parent, I'm not going to send my kid to a building that's not safe. So we're just prisoners to what the science is said right now. And so we just need to make sure, I tell parents, the best thing you can do with your kids, make sure they're reading. Make sure they're reading because literacy is a skill that transcends all subjects. Yes. If you bring me a kid that can read, then, you know, I, I can t take them anywhere you need, they need to go. Yep. And so and I think a lot of parents, because parents are extremely burdened right now with trying to survive themselves. And now they're worried about all these stupid, I mean, some teachers are ridiculous with the amount of work they're giving kids, pretending like it's a regular, normal time. It's like, nah, we, we're in a pandemic right now. We're in a, almost a racial civil war right now. No, so it is. To, Not almost. <laughs> we, we need to make sure our kids are okay. So that's, just sit down and read with them, make sure they know how to read, because that's a skill that a that'll take them wherever they need to go. And so just focus on that because it's the job of educators to meet kids where they are and take them where they need to be. And right now, I don't see any significant education taking place before January of 2021. I mean, mm. that's just my personal opinion. That's not, you know, that's not, you know, yeah. an official speaking on things. Just as I see the way science is going, January of 2021 before we're back to normal school settings. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> sounds familiar to me. Yeah, so I just think we can, we can adjust. So, I mean, we're teachers; we know how to adjust. But the problem is, a lot of teachers are stressed right now, and they're they're taking care of families. They're doing things that they never thought they would have to do, and so it's just adding on to the level of stress that everybody has in America right now. But yeah. we just need to focus on the social emotional well being of our students, teachers, parents, everybody. Then for, and their physical health, to make sure that we're not putting them in dangerous, dangerous situations. To me, that's the two most important things you can do right now. Well, we want to thank you for coming to speak with us. Please, no problem. Please, please, please rejoin us when there are <laughs> pressing things on your heart about these <laughs> because we talk about RPS and kids all the time. Yeah, um, and we have followed you for a while on Twitter and retweeted yeah. and um, yeah. tagged stuff. We love that. We love your voice. I just retweeted something you said this morning about as, as teachers are crafting their abolitionist, you know. Um, yeah, I, uh, that know, that bothers me more than anything in teaching. When I Ooh. see teachers who te make kids think what they think, rather yeah. than teaching kids how to think. I've sat in some classrooms yeah. and I've gotten just pissed off at teachers they're not speaking their voice they're speaking your voice yeah if you ask them two questions they can't explain their point of view you know because but they're not what, teaching them how to critically think exactly exactly your mother got it right that's the skill literacy and critical thinking skills is what all kids need to be successful in life absolutely yes. that's it yeah
Yes. Come back anytime. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. You guys know. Hit me up. <laughs> Congratulations again. Thank you. Sprinkling that all over Richmond. <laughs> I know that the kids at uh, under your tutelage are absolutely blessed and they are grateful for you. And I hope they tell you as often oh, as yeah, they can. Yeah. They, they, I mean, they got to take cool about it, but they tell me. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good, good. Yeah, good. Well, we're grateful that you're there for them. And yeah, we are grateful for all of your amazing work that you do in the community and around the country because you've been traveling yeah. around spreading that all over the place. Yes. And we need it right now. That's a whole other segment we can talk about. <laughs> yep. <laughs> traveling Man. and the things I've seen. You know? <laughs> so we'll we, have to have that talk too we yes. do we dearly appreciate it and you are welcome to come back anytime we've had Definitely. two first timers today so we're just like i know i know yeah. and they were two great people we had a hamilton glass earlier okay well. yes so this is yeah. very very powerful but we're happy to have you please come back Definitely. at any time and, and let people know how they can connect to you and find you yeah. on social media um, uh, just Ryan Robinson RVA. That's my Twitter. That's my Instagram. Add a dot com to it, and that's my website. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. All right. Thank you all. Yep. Thank, you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, Richmond, you know what time it is. Flint still has dirty water, and now so does New Jersey. Uh, RPS was was fully funded, but you know, hashtag COVID. We need all kinds of funding and all kinds of support and all kinds of everything else because. The world's on fire. So, yeah, that part. <laughs> and as a continuation of that thought, Richmond is most certainly still racist, but we're working on it. Yeah. Talk to you next week. Each one teach one black man, teach woman, and she'll teach you the truth about himself, herself, and poopers living proof. Of math and math is mind and mind created all that peace. The sun, the moon, the star, the non born planets, and all that scene. Some try chasing dreams, but never find the dreams they see. Wake up is all I ask, because dreams and fight to sleep. Tell them we are P-R-T-E-E.